River of Gold, an exhibition of pre-Columbian Panamanian gold work that sheds light on a culture about which very little is known. The ancient societies of Panama, along with those of lower Central America, have long been overshadowed by the more famous civilizations of Mesoamerica and the Andes. Almost all the items in this exhibit come from a single burial at Sitio Conte. The people of pre-Columbian Panama are a mystery. The ancient societies of Panama, along with those of lower Central America, have long been overshadowed by the more famous civilizations of Mesoamerica and the Andes. Sitio Conte is a cemetery excavated during the 1940 Panamanian expedition by the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. The richness of that burial's contents strongly suggests that it was a powerful chief's grave in a cemetery used from about A.D. 450 to 900. Yet our knowledge of the people who made the gold work found at Sitio Conte comes only from the objects themselves because we have no native chronicles from that time. The names of those who made the objects, their ethnic identity, their culture, all have been buried under the weight of centuries. While descriptions of the chiefdoms conquered by the Spaniards in the early 1500s seems similar to the archaeological evidence at Sitio Conte, suggesting that there is a relationship or shared cultural identity. It's wise to remember that more than 600 years intervenes between the cemetery at Sitio Conte and the Spanish conquest. The lack of any additional evidence calls for extreme caution in assuming direct descent or close affiliation. This stone is from the fabled emerald mines of northwestern South America, which provided gemstones to adorn the peoples of South America for more than a thousand years. The gem may have come via trading canoes along the coast up to the Panamanian chiefdoms to grace the gold work of the region's craftsmen. The creature it adorns has a fantastic mixture of features and the design suggests a composite figure whose origins lie in ancient Panamanian mythology. It was fashioned as a pendant, and the symbolism it embodied would have flashed from the chief's chest as he walked among his people. Mesoamerican and Central American legends include origin tales that say the world is supported on the back of a giant turtle. The emerald itself has been interpreted as representing a turtle shell. The figure, however, combines elements of many different beings. It has been suggested that the body is that of a jaguar, but the teeth are not those of a jaguar. The nose is that of a leaf-nosed bat, while the scrolls that emanate from the sides of the mouth may be snakes, or perhaps merely water curling back from the beast as it swims through the sea. The protruding eyes could be those of a reptile or amphibian. One generally accepted theory holds that these composite creatures are family emblems representing clan ancestors. As you focus on individual elements, 
you may find even more different animal characteristics. You'll find that the figurine rewards close scrutiny. Burial 11, from which comes this gold work, was used for the burial of 23 bodies sometime between 700 and 900 in the Common Era. Scholars believe all 23 may have been interred at the same time. The great heaps of golden beads, cuffs, nose clips, cast images, and large plaques found with the central individual in the second level of Burial 11 confirm his high status, clearly above that of the 11 bodies found with him in the second level of the grave. Pairs of hollow gold ear rods were found at the side of numerous skulls, including the paramount chiefs, and many others were arranged in a pile between his legs. The rods were inserted through holes in the earlobes. One end of the tube is enclosed, and the other is covered by a removable embossed gold cap to fasten it. A pair of embossed gold cuffs worn over another pair of smaller, plain gold cuffs, was found on the paramount chief in Burial 11. The narrow ends of the embossed cuffs were pointing toward his skull, suggesting that his arms were folded with his hands toward his shoulders. Holes on either side of the opening suggest that the cuffs were tied by means of a string or cord. At his feet lay gold ankle cuffs. When archaeologist J. Alden Mason uncovered the riches of the burial's second level, he was afraid to leave the gold unattended, and so had his teenage son John, who had accompanied him on the expedition, climb down and spend the night among the bones and the gold. By the next day, guards had been arranged and John returned to the camp with no apparent ill effects. The use of gold in combination with other substances such as resin and whale tooth ivory is a local Panamanian innovation with no counterpart in Colombia. The gold sheathing foils were applied to the carved animal figurines. They are exceptional. They were presumably prepared by hammering out tiny nuggets of native gold that had been gathered by hand from the local stream beds. The relatively low level of silver, about 2 to 5%, that occurs as a natural impurity in this native gold is thought to be characteristic of central Panamanian gold sources. The techniques of metalworking were first discovered somewhere in the central or southern Andes during the first millennium before the Common Era, and from there the new knowledge spread north, reaching the Ecuador-Colombian frontier zone by the first century before the Common Era, and the Panamanian region only a century or two later. Panamanian goldsmiths rapidly developed their own techniques using the gold nuggets found in their swiftly flowing streams. Among the pre-Columbian peoples of Panama, whale's teeth seem to have been as valuable as gold, 
making the combination of the two a most impressive statement of wealth and power. In addition to whale's teeth, ivory was obtained from manatee ribs and deer vertebrae. The resin came from various plants. When you see this handful of sherds and realize that they represent less than 1% of the sherds found at the site of the River of Gold, you can begin to appreciate the number of hours and painstaking work required to piece the pottery vessels together. Finding the objects is only the beginning of the process. Putting the pieces together, understanding the culture within which they were used, and publishing the conclusions are perhaps the most important part of the archaeological process. The archaeologists recovered over a thousand crudely manufactured projectile points or blades in Burial 11. Other stone weapons or tools were found in caches which contained no human remains and in deposits on top of skeletons in graves where they may have been secured in pouches that disintegrated over time. In Burial 11, over 100 polished stone celts were also recovered. You'll notice, embedded in the material that once filled the grave, some barely visible bits of stingray spines. If the Panamanian chiefs engaged in rituals similar to those of the Maya to the north, these stingray spines would have been used as perforators to draw blood from various parts of the body. This blood would then be offered to the gods in exchange for their supernatural protection. Third figures may reflect various incarnations of the trickster supernatural twins who play a central role in creation myths from Mexico down into Central America and South America. The individual frontal figure embossed on these plaques may represent a shaman or the sun or the creator god. This creature, part human, part saurian, is characterized by animal claws, an upcurled snout, and a crest on his head, while from his waist hang streamers in the shape of elongated creatures or broad ribbons with serrated edges. The staff held by several of the figures may be a staff of office, or a shamanic implement in which supernatural power is concentrated. In some cases, the staffs may be seen as implements of the sun to be used by the shaman chief who identifies with the sun. Similar staffs of recent origin are said to be good spirits used by shamans in rituals to drive away evil spirits. This anthropomorphic figure, one of the defining features of the Conte style of goldwork, had been in use at least several centuries before this burial and was still present in the art of the region at the time of the conquest. For most of the people of the Americas, the belief existed that humans and animals could transform themselves from one form of life into another. Family crests 
myths are created from origin myths that tell of a mating between a human ancestor and a particular animal. These plaques have small perforations by which they were attached to the garments of high-ranking members of the ancient society. Note the tiny golden bell in this case, created using the lost wax method of casting. The Panamanian craftsmen were masters of this intricate technique. Elsewhere, you can see an illustrated description of lost wax casting. The gold discs may have formed a headband that proclaimed the chief's position. Discs of gold, jade, or pottery are known to have formed the headband, identifying the wearer as ruler among other Mesoamerican cultures. Over 3,000 gold beads were recovered from Burial 11, the majority found on the body of the paramount chief. At his neck lay a multitude of gold beads that at the time of burial had been strung into necklaces. The round and tubular beads on either side of the pelvis probably had been fashioned into a beaded girdle that encircled his waist. Although we cannot know the cultural meaning of each of the motifs used by the ancient Panamanian craftsmen, it is fairly safe to assume that they had something in common with the early cultures of Mesoamerica to the north and the beliefs of northern South America. For example, throughout the Americas, there were beliefs about the partition of the world. In some cases, the world is seen as composed of four directional quarters. In others, the center is added as an important focal point. For some cultures, the four quarters were joined by the center, the upper world, and an underworld. The plate, divided into four equal parts, may represent a quadripartite view of the world. The triangular head and undulating body of a serpent decorating another dish could have been plucked from the design palette of the Nazca people of Peru. The native practice of ritually breaking pottery buried with the dead left few vessels intact. Much time was spent by the archaeologists once they returned to Philadelphia in repairing the wide variety of shapes, including long-necked carafes, effigy vessels, and rectangular trays. The most characteristic shape is the wide, flat plate with thickened lip and ring base. The animal images depicted are closely related to those found on the regional goldwork. Combining attributes of several animals or of humans and animals is a convention utilized in both the ceramic and the metallurgical traditions in all parts of the Americas.